please turn with me in your Bibles this evening to the first chapter of John's Gospel. We will be reading the first five verses. The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You for the Word. We thank You Heavenly Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is our Savior, He who is none other than God Himself, the second person of the Trinity, the Creator of all things. We ask, O Holy Spirit, that You would turn our hearts to Him, to our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In His name we pray. Amen. We come this evening to the Gospel of John, the beloved disciple. This Gospel is one of the most profound writings in all of Scripture. For in it, we see the glory of our Lord Jesus clearly, as God manifests in the flesh. It is the purpose of this Gospel to reveal the glory of Christ, so that those who read might believe in Him and have eternal life. The Apostle John writes in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. John wrote to display the glory of Jesus Christ so that those who read this gospel might know that Jesus is the Son of God and might believe and have life in Him. John wrote so that the glory of Christ might be revealed in the pages of Holy Scripture. And this glory is what we see from the very beginning of the book. In our text this evening we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the Word was God. In this grand verse, John opens the Gospel with a description of the greatest, most magnificent reality that can be known. The nature of God, of the Holy Trinity, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The opening words declare that there was one who was in the beginning, the Word. And this Word was with God, and this Word was God. And this is the first great point of this text. Jesus, the Word, is God. And this is the whole point of this passage. All other points are subsumed beneath this grand truth. Jesus, the Word, is truly and fully divine. He is God. And as John makes this point, he makes several other points as an exposition to 
of this great truth. And he explains this in four ways. John first declares, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, at the very origin of all created things, the word was present. Before the heavens and the earth came into being, before even the angels were in existence, the word was there. The word was present in the beginning. And we know that only God was present in the beginning. And thus, this is is John's first argument, John's first exposition of the deity of Christ. The Word was present in the beginning. He was present when only God existed. And one of the things that we see in this verse is that John parallels Genesis 1. Recall that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And we see this parallel throughout this passage. John explicitly makes this parallel in order to make the point that back here, back even in Genesis 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Word was there as well. At the beginning of creation, the Word was present. And the way that John makes this point is incredibly profound. When he says, in the beginning was the word, the term for word is the term logos. And when he says, in the beginning, the term for beginning is the term arche. Now in ancient times, the Greeks came up with several ideas with, about how the world came into being and how the world was run. They came up with the idea that there were these great principles, these great supernatural semi-divine powers that brought the world into being and kept it operating. One of these principles was the logos, or the great power of divine wisdom. And another one was the arche, or the great origin principle of creation. And the logos was used in Greek and Hebrew philosophy to refer to the personified wisdom of God. It was the very wisdom of God manifest. It was a personal expression of divine wisdom. And the arche was the beginning principle. It was the thing that was the foundation of all of creation. The reason for which everything was made. And John takes these words that were used by pagan Greek philosophers. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... He gives them a new meaning. Jesus is the true Logos, not some semi-divine principle, but the personal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. And He, the true Logos, was present in the beginning. Not where some semi-divine principle was, but at the origin of creation. Jesus is the true Logos, the true wisdom. 
And the point of John using these words is to say that Jesus is greater than any other principle that could be conceived. No matter what the Greeks came up with, no matter what Hebrews who were apostatizing could come up with, Jesus is greater than anything else. He is the greatest one because he is the true Logos of God. He was in the beginning. In the beginning, there was nothing in existence except for God, the creator. Before creation, there was only the God who would create. And then in the beginning, the word was present. And in the beginning, the word was with God. And this is what we see in the very next phrase. And the word was with God. And here we see that there is a distinction between God and the word. God and the word are in some sense distinct and separate. But at the same time, they are one. There is a deep unity here. And the word that John uses for with God isn't the, the usual word that you would use. It's, the preposition is the Greek word pros, which usually means to or toward. And so if you were to read it literally, it would look like you were saying the word was to or toward God. But here it means together with, in the closest proximity, in the closest intimacy, the word was present with God as one who was right beside him. As we read in verse 18, he was in the bosom of the Father. And the reason why the word was able to be together with God in the creation was because, as John says in the very next phrase, and the word was God. He was able to be with God in the beginning because he truly was God himself. And here we see a very explicit, overt statement that the word was God, that Jesus was God. And this is the second point, the second exposition of the deity of Christ that John makes here. John explicitly states that the word is God. The glorious truth of the deity of Christ opens this gospel and we behold his glory as he is the one who is the divine son of God. And this is the great opening truth of the gospel of John. Jesus Christ is God. He is truly and fully divine. He is the divine Lord. And we see this truth made explicitly throughout the New Testament as the inspired authors of Scripture again and again call Jesus directly God. Jesus is God. In Romans 9, verses 4 and 5, we read, They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Here Paul states that this one who was born according to the flesh, Jesus the Christ, is the same one who is God over all, blessed forever. 
And in 2 Peter 1, verse 1, we read, To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Titus 2, verses, verse 13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in 1 John 5, verse 20, in His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. And Hebrews 1, verse 8, but of the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And these are just some of the passages that explicitly use the word God with reference to the Lord Jesus. Other passages teach that He is fully divine without using this word. And in one of the most powerful, profound passages, examples of Jesus claiming to be fully divine, we read in John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Here the Lord Jesus claimed for himself the very name of Yahweh, the name of God revealed in the Old Testament to Moses at Mount Sinai. We read of this in Exodus 3.14, where God said to Moses, I am who I am. Here we see a very clear pronouncement by our Lord that He is the God of Israel. Jesus is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And the point of all of this is to say once again that Jesus Christ is fully God. The same Lord who was born of a virgin in a manger, who lived a holy life in obedience to God, who went to the cross, who died, who was buried, who rose again the third day and ascended into the heavens. That same Lord, that same man, Jesus, is the same God who has been worshipped by faithful men since the beginning of creation. He is the same God who was in the beginning. He is the same God who was worshipped by Noah, by Abraham, by Moses, by David, and by every true Israelite who looked to Him in faith. Jesus Christ is God. And John reiterates what he has said once more, explaining in verse 2, He was in the beginning with God. John has said that the Word was present in the beginning, and he has said that He was with God. And now John puts these two points together and states that the divine word was with God in the beginning. And this is the third point, the third exposition of the deity of Christ that John makes. He was with God. The word was with God in the beginning. And in this glorious phrase, in in these two verses, in these two sentences, we see the great truth of the Holy Trinity revealed. John has just stated that the Word was with God and that the Word was God and that He was with God in the beginning. The phrase with God automatically implies separation 
or distinction between the two parties. For him to be with God and yet for him to be God means something incredibly profound. Every faithful Jewish Israelite understood the truth that there is only one God. The Shema, the Jewish confession found in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is only one God. And Israel was taught this from the very beginning. But here, John speaks of another great truth implied and hinted at in the Old Testament, but fully revealed only with the coming of Christ. In the one Godhead, there is more than one person. And thus, in the coming of Christ, we see the true nature of the triune God revealed. That there is one God and that there are three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we read in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus commands us to baptize in this name. Jesus commands his disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In these verses, we see the great truth. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The great truth of the Trinity almost leaps off of the page. We have this great truth that there is one God and that there are three persons in the Godhead. And continuing with his exposition of Christ's divinity, we read in verse 3, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything that was made. Everything was made through the word. Everything was brought into being through the Word, through God the Son. And apart from Him, nothing has been made. And this is the fourth point, the fourth exposition that John makes concerning the deity of Christ. Jesus, the Word, is the Creator. Only God is the Creator. Only God has created all things. Everything that is not divine is something that has been created by God. It has come from His hand. But the Word created all things. Just as we read in Genesis 1 that God created all things, so also do we understand here that the Word brought all things into being. Thus, everything that we see in Genesis 1 was created through the Word. When God said, let there be light, and there was light, that light was created through the word. When God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, this too was through the word. And when God made man and said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, this too was through the Word. Every act of creation was through God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we read in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And thus, this is a great and wondrous truth about our Lord Jesus Christ. He has brought everything into being. The plants that you see were brought into being by Jesus. The sun that gives light to our eyes was brought into being by Jesus, by the same one who was born in a manger, the same one who went to the cross. He has brought everything into existence because he is the creator. Thus, John has made these great points about the deity of Christ in order to explain how he, as the word, is truly and is fully divine. He was in the beginning. He is truly named God. He has brought all things into being. He is truly and fully divine. And as John continues this teaching on the deity of Christ, he writes in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And this is the second major point that we see here in this text. The word as God possesses all life in himself. And when he is manifest, he is the light of men. What does it mean that in him was life? What it means is that because he was God, because he was the creator, he has the power of life and of existence. All of creation has its dependence upon him for its existence, for it even to continue to be. Apart from God, everything in creation is dead. It is nothing. And yet in God is all life, perfection, and glory. There is no creature that draws breath that does not receive that breath from the hand of God. The life that God possesses, He possesses by His very nature. In God alone, the Creator is true life. And this is the great reality. God did not remain apart, holding that life to Himself. He did not remain apart from us sinners. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. As we read in verse 14, God was manifest in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he was manifest in the flesh, he brought life. He brought life to we who were dead in our trespasses and sins. And when the word was manifest in the flesh, that life that he brought, that life that he manifests, is the light of men. As we read in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-3, through 3, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Life has been manifest in Jesus Christ. As the Lord said in John 10.10, he has come that we might have life and have it abundantly. What is the eternal life that Jesus brings? It is fellowship with God. It is unending communion with God. As he says in John 17, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. The life that Jesus brings is communion and fellowship with God. Fellowship with the God with whom we were once enemies. As we read in Ephesians 2, 4 and 5, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Our sins made us dead. Our sins brought death. But God the Son, the Word, the Creator, brought life. And God made us alive in him and remove the power of death and sin in our lives. And this is such a powerful reality. We are alive in Christ. We who once were dead in sin are now made alive in him. And as he has brought us life, as he has led us out of death, he has been manifest as the light of men. As we read In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In a world of darkness and vanity, Christ brings communion and fellowship with God, the true light and life. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. As he said when he healed the eyes of the man born blind, in John 9 verse 5, I am the light of the world. And this light cannot be snuffed out. As we read in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Through the coming of Christ, sin, death, and darkness have been removed. They have been destroyed. Just as light eliminates darkness by its very presence, so Christ removes darkness and sin and death. By his presence. When he was manifest, he was the light of the world, the one who brought salvation to all who trust in him. And I love this next phrase the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not and cannot overcome the light. When Christ came, the darkness was not able to overcome him. He was tempted by Satan, but he overcame the temptation. He was put to death on the cross, but he triumphed over the rulers and authorities in it. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has overcome darkness forever. And this is the singular great truth of this passage. God was manifest in Jesus Christ, and he has brought life and salvation to this world, to his people, to all who trust in him. He has brought fellowship and communion with God to those who were formerly dead, who hated God. 
He is the one who is the light of men, shining into the world of darkness. And this is the one upon whom salvation rests. This is the one upon whose shoulders rests the redemption and the salvation of the human race. You know, for each and every one of us, our sins are so great. They weigh us down. And apart from Christ, they bring us down heavily into hell itself, through the grave, and even unto eternal darkness. But the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is the very Word of God, because He is God, because He is divine, He is able to bear our sins, He alone, and lift us up out of the grave, because He took our sins upon Himself on the cross. When we consider that great judgment of God, the great judgment scales, our sins weigh so heavily because they are against an infinite God. But the Lord Jesus Christ, because He is infinite, is greater than all of our sins. And He has brought salvation to us. He has brought redemption to all who trust in Him. And this is our Savior. This is our Lord. And so to all who are believers, I would exhort you to look to Him. Look to the One who carries your sins because He is the Word. He is strong enough because He is God. As Pastor McWilliams so often says, His infinite person gave to His finite sufferings infinite value. He is able to bear the punishment for our sins because He is God. Because He is fully divine. He is the one upon whom our salvation rests. The divine Lord. But if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you do not have this one to bear your sins. You do not have this one to take your sins upon Himself. Your sins bear upon you the weight of transgression against an infinite God. And so I say to you, to you who have never trusted, who have never believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God, look to Him. Look to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And to all this evening, I say, look to the divine and human Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the glorious Lord. He is our Savior. He is our God. And He is our King. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You once again for our great divine Lord, Jesus Christ, the One who became man and bore our sins and transgressions because He alone was strong enough to do so, Lord. He alone is sinless, and He alone is God. We thank You for Him, and we ask that You would turn our hearts to Him evermore each day in love and in adoration, Lord. We pray these things in His name. Amen.